Hello, good evening, and uh, welcome to our service this evening. Um, it's a privilege to be able to gather together this evening on this Lord's Day. Um, as we open up God's Word and we would seek uh, his, his guidance and we would seek his blessing upon our evening um, just now. So I'll just open us up with a word of prayer uh, as we seek God's face this evening. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks that we have an opportunity again this Lord's Day evening to be able to, to gather together to be able to gather together in your most precious name, Lord. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us this evening, Lord. We look to you and we we know that you are a a gloriously gracious and and loving God. Uh, You are our perfect creator. Um, We give thanks that when we look to you, we see a loving God. Uh, We see a loving God who sent his only son to die on the cross for us. And we pray that we would be reminded of that this very evening. Each and every day, let us be reminded of that. And um, as we looked uh, the previous Lord's Day, we looked over the Easter weekend at the uh, the death and the resurrection of your Son, uh, and we pray that we would uh, not be forgetful of that glorious gift that was given to us, and that we would be uh, ready to, to share the faith that we have, those of us that have a faith, and those of us that don't have a faith, that we would um, have yourself illuminated to us this evening as we open up your word just now. So go before us just now, Lord, be with us um, as we pray, be with us uh, as we explore your word and be with us as we praise your most holy name as well Lord. So be with us just now and forgive us for all of our sins in Christ's most precious name we pray. Amen. Let us join together again in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father Lord we again give thanks to you as we praise your most holy name. We thank you Lord that as we've already prayed that you are a, a loving God, that you are a just God. Uh, that you're a God that is near to us. You're not a distant God. You're a God that we can turn to in every situation. Uh, No matter where we find ourselves in our lives, we are able to turn to you knowing that you are a God that not only hears our prayers, but you're a God that answers those prayers. Although we may struggle with the answers and the timing of the answers, we ought to remember that you are indeed perfect. Your timings are perfect. Everything that you do is indeed perfect. And we ought to be reminded of that um, and, and remember and give thanks that it is indeed you that is the one that's sovereign over each and every one of us. We give you thanks, Lord, for your word. We thank you that we have this word so readily available to us, that we're able to, to turn to that word, that we're able to, to open up that word and to see yourself illuminated in that, Lord, as we see each and every page points to you, points to the cross, and it points us to the salvation plan from the beginning of time, from before Um, the very earth that we walk on was created. We know that you had a plan of salvation, Lord, and that emanates from the love that you have for us. Um, None of us are deserving of that salvation plan. None of us are deserving of the forgiveness of our sins. We have all sinned. Uh, Many have sinned more than others, but we all fall short, Uh, each and every one of us. From the beginning, uh, at the fall of our... um, of our father and uh, first mother and Adam and Eve, Lord, we we look to them and uh, we ought not to to blame them for each and every one of us has committed our own sins. There was only one who walked this earth who was perfect and that is indeed your son. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, reveal yourself to us 
this evening, that you would make yourself known to us, that we would see your face and that we would be able to, to see your plans for us, that we would have this word speak to us, that it would penetrate into our hearts and that it would speak to each and every one of us, whether or not uh, we are <clears throat> close to you or whether or not we are distant from you, we ask that you would uh, use this word, Lord, that you would uh, use a weak vessel such as I to be able to, to use that word, to use your perfect word and the Holy Spirit would indeed uh, work through me, Lord. Uh, we give you thanks that we have a, a wonderful congregation where we're able to gather together, Lord, as we did so this morning. We are so thankful that we are able to come into your house, Lord, and that you have provided for us a place to worship and to praise your name. Uh, we give you thanks that we can once again meet together in person. We long for the day where we are able to, to meet as we did before, with each and every seat used and uh, a clamour for, for more seating, Lord. And we, we look forward to the days where we um, are able to praise together. We're able to sing your praises as a congregation, uh, as we uh, sing praises up to heaven, Lord. And we know that uh, those praises are, are warmly received, Lord. And we are so thankful that um, you are indeed listening to those as well, Lord. And where two or three are gathered, you you are with us indeed. And although we're not gathered in person and we gather uh, online this evening, Lord, we are promised that you are with us and we pray that you would reveal yourself to us anew. We pray for those, Lord, who, who do not listen to your word, who did not come to church this, e uh, this morning or uh, not tuning in this evening and have made a, a concerted and conscious effort not to come to the means of grace, Lord. We pray for them specifically and ask that you would make yourself known to them, that they would be reminded of the fragility of life, that they would be reminded of their sins, that they would repent of their sins and that they would seek forgiveness from a God that loves them and seeks to have them in his bosom. We pray, Lord, that they would be reminded um, of their sins and that they would indeed cry out for mercy, that this very evening, this very moment, would be the moment that they seek your face and that they seek to have you be the ruler of their life, that they ask you to enter into their life and to lead them and direct them in the way that you wish for them to go, Lord. For we seek to see your will done on earth here as it is in heaven, Lord. Lead us, guide us and direct us in all that we do. Um, and we ask that you would uh, continually be with us no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how distant we find ourselves from you, Lord. We know that you are a God um, that, will, that will hear our prayers, Lord, and we pray that you would indeed this evening. And we pray for those this very evening who are, who are struggling at the moment, whether it be through grief, um, whether it be through loneliness or isolation um, or through illness. We pray that you would be with them in particular, Lord, that you would make yourself known to them, that they would be comforted by you. We know that you are indeed the great physician. Uh, you are the wonderful counsellor and the prince of peace, Lord. And we should come to you knowing that you are these things. You are these things in your entirety, Lord. You're not made up of a sum of attributes. You are each and every uh, of these glorious attributes in their entirety, Lord. And we, we ask that we would uh, be encouraged to continually come to you and to seek your face and your word and on our knees in prayer. Uh, we ask that you'll be with us this evening, Lord, that you'll reveal yourself to us again in this word, uh, that we'll be able to, to learn more about who you are and grow in a greater understanding of who you are, that we would meditate on your law, on your word, day and night. So go before us just now, Lord. Be with um, the other congregations as they uh, preach your word, Lord. Be with every congregation that preaches Christ crucified and preaches your truth. We ask that you'll be with them this evening. We pray for vacant congregations and ask that you would lead them and that you would um, set it upon the hearts of uh, young men to con continue to come into the, to the ministry, Lord, to, to apply to 
to join um, your call, Lord. And we ask that you would indeed call many more young men to, to that role, Lord, and that we would be able to see these vacant congregations filled once more and that we would see their pews uh, and their seats filled again, Lord. So go before us just now, Lord. Be with us and uh, surround us with a wall of fire uh, and go before us in all that we do in Christ's most precious name and for the forgiveness of our many, many sins. Amen. <clears throat> well, we're going to turn to the psalm that we sang. Uh, if we could turn in your Bibles to Psalm 1. Uh, we're just going to, to read this psalm. This is the psalm that we're going to look at this evening. Um, so we'll ask for God's blessing as we open up his word uh, and we read into it just now. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his own holy word to us just now. Now if you could turn back in your Bibles to the psalm which we read earlier, Psalm 1. If we could read Psalm 1. We're not going to read the whole psalm. We're going to look at the first two verses of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Now you may have noticed in, in verse 1 there, it says he walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Your translation may be uh, in the counsel of the ungodly. And that's the word that I want us to focus on um, this evening when we're considering this passage. It's the ungodly. Um, I was looking at the news recently uh, and there was an article about being who you want to be. Um, the question that they were asking was whether it's truly possible. Can you be what you want to be? Can you be anything that you want to be? Is that even possible? Um, and it was a really long article, but interestingly, there was no reference of God. That will probably be of little surprise to you. But we live in a world that prioritizes self. We are encouraged to be who we want to be. You go and do what you want. Our children in our schools are encouraged to do the same. Parents are, in fact, discouraged from allowing reality and truth to be adopted in the lives of their children, and in particularly God's truth. We are told happiness and health is found in the world. Even wealth, having money and lots of nice material things will bring you happiness. I'm sure you can cast your mind to somebody possibly in your own family, um, possibly even a celebrity. You may be able to cast your mind to somebody who has both health and wealth, but has voiced their lack of happiness. There is something missing in their lives. Their minds and their happiness are unravelling. And let's remember there are many that have wealth, but have also lost their health. They may be in the final days of their life and the millions, the billions, however much money or however many lovely things they had, they're no longer important. They're no longer relevant because they're needing the end. And that's the problem with the world. We're told enjoy today. You only live once. Reach for the stars and you'll get all you want. That's the world's counsel. It's not scripture and it's not God's counsel. We all have some measure of health and some wealth and we ought to be thankful for anything that God has given us. We ought not to look to other people and ask for what they want and be envious. We should be thankful for all that we have. But health and wealth, that's not where we find blessing. 
We see here in this psalm where we find blessing. Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. It hit me as I was reading this, as I was studying this passage, um, it really did hit me that um, we're starting off this glorious book of Psalms, the, the Psalms that we turn to so regularly. We're starting off in a negative. Verse 1 starts off in the negative. It's not starting off as a positive um, this great book that the, the Holy Spirit inspired the pen of the writer. The first words are not for comfort, they're not for praise, they're not for worship, but they begin with a negative. One may be excused for thinking that the start of this great book would have been positive, it would have been um, possibly like chapter, uh, like verse 2, sorry. Um, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law. You would have expected potentially that to be the start of the psalm, but no. Um, we're told here that blessed is the man who walks not in the council, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So we ought to ask ourselves why. Uh, we're told here of what the God-fearing man is, um, and the fear of the Lord is indeed the beginning of wisdom. You might think that this would have started off by saying blessed is the man who delights in the law of God, but that's not the case. That's not the way it was inspired, and that's not the way it was written. So we maybe ask why. Why does it begin this way? Um, so to maybe start off that, that, that explanation, I want us to look at Genesis. I'd like you to go to Genesis chapter 3 in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to read just the first um, seven verses um, of Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> so Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. We see there that the serpent had deceived Eve. This fruit is good for you. This fruit is not bad for you. This will do you good. And the problem was that Eve listened, and she was tempted. So unlike Adam and Eve, there must be a no when we're presented with sin. And that's why we start here with a negative. There has to be a no to sin and a yes to God. The psalm highlights this for us. It's not just about living a life of positive action, um, going to church, um, going to the prayer meeting, having Bible studies, giving generously. There's also a time where we have to say no. And we have to say no to sin. Now we live in an age where we're not able to criticise others. Uh, You may have heard of the cancel culture. As soon as somebody criticises somebody for acts that they're doing which may be contrary to God's law they are desires to cancel those individuals and to to have them removed from social media and to um, be castigated across across all media platforms and that's just the world that we live in Um, and there's many of us many Christians indeed as well that would think what will that person think of if I reprove them or what will this person think of if I criticize or rebuke them Um, and we ought not to think of that uh, because it's done out of love We do see indeed in contemporary Christianity um, many churches that portray that they're preaching God's word but what they're really wanting to to do is preach a a, a false Christianity and a Christianity that says can't we all just get along? 
Can we not all just get along? Churches, uh, different denominations, different religions, can we not all just get along um, rather than criticising us each other and have a life with no conflict? I will do what I want in my life and you do what you want to do in your life and we'll all just get along. But that's not God's truth or God's Christianity. We must be ready to tell others that this may be how you define your Christianity, but we are governed by God's word and we ought to say no to that. To show God's love doesn't just mean we approve and go along with all that people have to say. No, it requires us to reprove and to rebuke and to call on repentance. That's the love that we should show and that's why Psalm 1 starts this way. We ought to be showing that love that God has for those around us that we know are going in the wrong way. So we see blessed is the man who has the grace to say no to much that confronts him and tempts him. Now that's a distinguishing mark of a spiritually healthy Christian is your ability to say no to certain things. Let's look again at Psalm 1 and the characteristics of this man. Now there are three, in verse 1 particularly, there are three um, aspects that expand upon one another and there are, there are progression in sin. I'll read verse 1 again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We're seeing a progression. We're walking, we see the walking, we see standing, and we see sitting. Now we've spoken already about the negative here, the, the, the fact that this psalm starts off in a negative. But do you see the threefold negative there? We're told um, not, nor, and nor. That has to be part of our Christian life. We have to have not, nor, and nor in our lives. We have to be pushing back and rebuking the world um, as we see in our own country uh, that turns further and further away from God. We ought to be standing up and saying no to the sin that we see around us. If you are to live a healthy Christian life, we ought to have both negatives and positives in how we approach our life. Some Christians just live on all negatives. Um, it's everything that they don't do. Um, they never do anything positive or they just focus on the positives. There's no negatives in their lives. But that's not the Christian life. We have a life that has plenty of both negatives and positives. Um, just a relatively trivial example. I work in Stornoway, so I drive most days up to Stornoway. Um, in my car, I've got an accelerator and a brake. I don't just go in straight away expecting to use my accelerator and, and to drive on and, and not have to brake and not think about slowing down. We have to have both. There's a balance. Um, it's the same even for, for, for example, football. We've not had the chance to be able to see um, uh, the Harris football team recently due to the pandemic. But all football, you see a goalkeeper. There's a person in goals protecting the goals. There's a defensive line um, seeking to stop goals coming in. You don't just go and attack um, because you're... Uh, you have to be wary of potentially losing a goal. So there's a balance of both positive and negative in everything. Um, and we have to be reminded of that. Um, if you begin to, to listen to the counsel of the ungodly, then rest assured it's a dangerous place for us to be in. When we consider what that looks like, what sort of things does it mean when it refers to the counsel of the ungodly? Um, walking in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked, whichever translation you have, um, it's the same as as we look to Eve. It's about listening to a word of temptation. If you're listening to that word of temptation, um, we saw with Eve that she was tempted by it. She succumbed to that temptation. She opened up her ears and she opened up. She was receptive to the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly. It could look in your own life to something along the lines of maybe maybe something as simple as evolution. Um, somebody could be telling you in the workplace, in school, wherever it is, you're not really convinced that God only made the world in six days, are you? Science has proven otherwise. Never mind those ancient manuscripts or the evidence that you have. 
just look at the science. It just can't be true. And, and if you start to open up your ears and be receptive to that and being tempted into those thoughts, we need to be mindful of that. Um, being tempted into these things are what this psalm is telling us not to do. And it's even widely, maybe not as specific as that, but it's widely referring to, to secular philosophy, worldly ideologies. It's referring to the godless view that the world has where man is at the centre. Our own feelings determine who we are. Um, we determine who we are. Our morality is determined within ourselves. That is the counsel of the wicked, where it's all about you. We are at the centre of our own little universe. We run our own agenda, and that's the agenda of the world. God, however, says that blessed, the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The Christian should not be open-minded to the counsel of the ungodly or wicked. He's not open to the secular agenda in education, uh, in the media or in politics. He refuses to buy into the godless thinking of this world. We often hear prayers uh, in our own prayer meeting or in church that, are, that ask God to surround people with a wall of fire. You'll often hear um, People ask for a, a wall of fire to be surrounded by those that may be under attack. Um, and we ought to be guarded against the counsel of the ungodly in the exact same way. If you begin to listen to the counsel of the ungodly, then rest assured you will indeed uh, continue to progress in your sin. Um, as we saw, we saw walking, we saw standing and sitting. Soon you will no longer be walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but you will be standing in the way of sinners. Standing shows us that there's a, there's a lingering, there's, there's, there's almost fellowship there with the sinner um, and enjoying what they enjoy. There's a downward progression here from walking now to standing. You may then convince yourself that the counsel of the ungodly is something that you can't live without. Some of the views or some of the, the things that people do um, that are contrary to God's word, they may be appealing to you and think, I, I really can't live without this. And it's a dangerous place to find ourselves in. It may even apply to, to those potentially in our own congregation, potentially in other churches. You might come to church on a Sunday, but where are you for the rest of the week? Are you walking in the counsel of the ungodly Monday through Saturday? Are you standing in the way of the sinners Monday through Saturday? You're more than happy to give God your Sunday morning and your Sunday evening, but the rest of the time is yours. And you can be happy within that. You can be certainly happy between Monday and Saturday. You become like the sinner. You walk like the sinner. You talk like the sinner. The sinner. You'll start to act like the sinner. You're now standing in the way of the sinner. You maybe no longer stand out in the crowd if you're a Christian. You tell a group of friends that you've maybe been with for a while, or colleagues that you've been with for a while, that you're a Christian, and they respond, really? I would never have known. Oh, you should have said it. I didn't know. It's no longer evident that you belong to God, and it's that downward progression of sin. And where does it lead? Well, we've seen walking. We've seen standing. And now you'll find yourself sitting in the seat of the scoffers. He's come around the table. The Christian that has descended so much into their sin has come around the table with them and he's now allied to them. He's slowly being sucked into sin. If it's not refused at the first level, at the, the worldly council, then it's a dangerous place to find ourselves in. These scoffers refuse to accept God and refuse his perfect ways. We need to refuse those who refuse God. We are to be in the world, but not of the world, as the well-known saying goes. It won't be long before you're laughing at how you used to think. Did I really used to think the world was created in six days? Uh, you're now scoffing and you're now mocking God. And we need to be mindful of that. You're now sitting at the seat of the scoffers and you mock the things you once believed. You're now sitting like the Jews at the foot of the cross who turned their back on him and the truths he told. One now is an enemy of the truth and an enemy of God. 
As we heard from David last week, uh, we saw uh, in the passage that we read that there were those that, that wanted no part of Jesus. They wanted nothing to do with him and they turned their back on him. And our own country has turned their back on God. Um, we see no reference to, to a need for prayer during the, one of the most difficult situations we've had to go in as a country in a generation, in ge- multiple generations. Yet we see no desire for prayer. Uh, we see no or very little uh, thought for God and for who he is and, and to seek his help. <clears throat> so where did it start? Where did all of this start when we see somebody sitting in, around the scoffers and being part of that? Where does it start? Well, it began when they sought counsel from the ungodly. As soon as they entered into that counsel of the ungodly, as Eve did, we see what happened with them, and it continued to progress. And the ramifications uh, are, are se- severely damaging um, and deadly. So what about you and me? Will we be ones to rebuke and to say no to the ungodly things in this world? Starting with their own sins, uh, when you see others going in the way of the world, will you walk with them or will you say no to walking in the counsel of the ungodly? And it's a question I ask myself um, Monday to Friday. None of us, not one of us listening uh, is perfect uh, and we ought to remind ourselves of that each and every day. Do you have the courage to say no? Are you able to say no to the crowd and no to the world? Can you stand alone for God and all that it means to stand for him? Friends, it comes down to those whose approval means most to you. God and his word or the world and its ways? That's just, it's as simple as that. Whose approval do you love the most or what means most to you? God and his word or the world and its ways? I hope it's God's and that he will say of you, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or ungodly. He won't listen to those in the world, but will listen to God. And I pray that that's, uh, firstly, in my own life, I pray that that's the case. uh, And I pray that for each and every one of us listening this evening. Now, we've explored the start of this psalm in verse 1 with the negative um, and the the contemporary happiness that is found with the ungodliness of the world. But in verse 2, we start to move into the the kind of positive aspect um, of the blessed man. And it's not just about thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That's not the life of the Christian. Um, So what do we do? Where should we turn now? Look at verse 2 of our psalm. It starts with but. So it's in contrast to to that which we have already read. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. The psalmist is quite clear here that it's not just about applying yourself and keeping the law and seeking to stick to the Ten Commandments or stick to God's law. No, there's, there's delight in God's law. It's not just about rules and, and following a law and, and making sure that you don't deviate from that law. No, there's delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And I ask you, I ask myself as well, do you, do I delight in the law of the Lord? Now, the word here um, for delight illustrates a strong desire, even a longing um, a longing for it's, it's a very strong word it's not just a, a a flippant use of the word they take great pleasure in god's law or god's word so so what is the law that's the next question what is the law and 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 the word here is is torah so it really refers here to the entirety of the written word of god everything that had been written to this point and everything that would be subsequently written in scripture what Moses brought down from Mount Sinai was more than just the Ten Commandments. It was the law of God and it was his word as well. We have this first psalm here showing us the prime focus of the Christian should be in God's word. The word of God that gives us the knowledge of God and it points us towards the Son of God. 
If you could maybe just turn um, to First Peter, we're just going to quickly look at um, a little bit of what, what that means. First Peter chapter 1. So First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. Strong Christians have a strong desire for the word of God. There's no way for sinners to enter into fellowship with God and to be cleansed and renewed. They delight in his law. This is the counsel um, of the word and not of the world. One of the commentators that I was looking to um, said that to delight in God's law is like a man falling in love. So maybe to to explore a little bit on that, what what is true of the man falling in love? Um, Does he only think um, of her a couple of minutes a day? Maybe one or two minutes in the morning, a minute in the evening? Um, he only has a little bit of time throughout the day. He's very busy. Uh, he's got lots on. Is that true of the man in love? There's plenty going on in the day. I can afford a couple of minutes here and there. No, what's true is that he can't get her out of his mind. He can't stop thinking about her. Friends, beginning, uh, begin to notice. Friends, sorry, begin to notice that he talks a lot about her. He can barely even mention her name uh, without them noticing. He all of a sudden seems to spend a lot of time together. As we fall in love. That person's name and character is on our mind often. Um, maybe I'll send a quick message or you'll be on the phone. You, you may be on the phone for a number of hours and it maybe only feels like five or ten minutes has gone by. Uh, that's what it's like to delight in God's law. You don't just read it occasionally. You don't just pray every couple of days. You meditate upon it day and night. You should take the word of God with you wherever you go and keep it at the forefront of your mind. You go to work, you go to school, you're reminded how... God's law and God's word teaches you to conduct yourself, teaches you how to interact with colleagues, teaches you how to interact with other families and friends and neighbours. You're in the shop, you're in traffic, you should be continually recalling in your mind God's word with how we should live our lives. Is that you? Is it me? Honestly, I think if we look deep within ourselves, probably not even too deeply, we, we, we all significantly fall short of this, but we ought to be delighting in God's law because that's where we will find great blessing. Indeed, even within our own congregation, we are so wonderfully blessed to have such godly men um, in our Kirk session. And you know just in having a short conversation conversation with them that they are continually bringing uh, God's law to the forefront of their minds, even in conversation, even in how they interact at the door, um, no longer able to have a handshake. But you can tell the way that you're welcomed into God's house, um, that they have, they delight in God's law. Uh, Even you look at the renovation of this very building, it's empty at the moment, um, but you look at the renovation of this very building that the Lord graciously provided to us. um, And these men, our our session, our Kirk session, worked immensely hard in a way to glorify God. They were continually looking to God uh, in all that they did, uh, in their love for both the congregation and, indeed, their love for God. And the question I ask is, is that you tonight? Are Are you that person who continually looks Um, to God, takes delight in his word, reads the word, um, meditates upon it, and enjoys hearing that word. Um, I hope it is, and I pray that it is indeed you this evening. Now, we're not even able to go into one another's house, um, obviously with the pandemic at the moment, but think how much we can learn from the houses that we did used to go into. We saw a worn Bible on the side of a chair, or on a table, or on a coffee table. It's well used. The owner of that Bible is well exercised in God's word and takes pure delight when they open it and absorb the words that they read that's why when we hear their prayers they often pray for young ones they'll pray for uh, the children we see a lot of our um, 
older generation praying for the younger ones. And it's because they know the difficulties in life. Uh, They know what it's like. uh, And they want to see you blessed, as this psalm has indicated, by not walking with the ungodly, but by delighting in God's word. Just look at the second part of verse 2 there. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now we go to talk about this word, meditate. Um, It's a very interesting word and it means literally to mutter. I was looking up the translation and it's to mutter or to groan. There's there's almost a, a, a low noise to it um, where, you, where you're muttering or you're meditating and, and contemplating the word of God. And that's what we should do with the word of God. We open it, we read it, we study it. We almost absorb and devour that word. You almost chew on it to get the, the, the nutrients out of that word like an animal would. Uh, we don't let it just go in one ear and out of the other. We want to retain it and meditate upon it. So what do we need before, uh, therefore, sorry, to meditate on God's word? Um, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of aspects I'm thinking that we need to consider. We need to be in a church that teaches the word of God. Now, we are so blessed to have a, a wonderfully faithful minister in David that preaches Christ crucified um, so diligently uh, and so faithfully. Um, this last year, even in, in, in this pandemic, you may have potentially broadened your horizons and, and picked up some other um, verse, uh, sermons sorry, from other places, from other countries, um, from other churches on our own island, on the mainland. Um, you may have kind of broadened out to, to access those services, but we need to be reminded that we ought to be associated to a church. We need to be um, members of a church where we are saved Christians. Uh, and that's where we will hear the word of God. And we need to be careful about what we do listen to um, and be thankful for, for the, the, the diligent word which we hear in our own congregation. Secondly, you need to be in the word personally. It's good to come corporately to, to hear God's word and to listen to God's word. But we need to be in God's word in our own time. Much like the reference to delighting in God's word around um, the love of a man um, for, for a woman, where he doesn't just set aside a couple of moments in the day. We have to give proper time um, to be in God's word in order for us to delight in that. Even getting a reading plan, simply working your way through a book in the Bible, uh, whether you're working your way through the whole Bible, we ought to be exercising ourselves continually um, in our daily devotions in God's word. I was reading, um, we, we see a lot of people that, as I said earlier, find find their authenticity within themselves so they won't use the word they won't listen to the word they won't come to church they'll take counsel from the world um, and that will ultimately determine who they're going to be Um, but I was listening to a a lecture by Dr Carl Truman at the ETS recently um, and he noted just at the very end I'm just going to share the words that he said at the very end about the Christian and their identity Um, and it's a reminder as to, to where we ought to find our identity and it's not within self So he concluded his lecture by saying the Christian's identity does not lie in moving inward to establish who the authentic person is. It relies on them looking outward to the church around them and to God to establish who they are. And how do they turn to God to establish who they are? We read God's word and we pray into that word. So we see there that's where we find our authenticity. That's where we find who we are. It's not in the world. It's not in the counsel of the world. It's in the counsel of God and God alone. So these two verses, they're unequivocal in explaining who the blessed man is. I urge you to make right with God. Seek his face and his direction in your own life. This is not a psalm that says, if the Christian delights in the law of the Lord, then he will be happy. If the Christian delights in the law of the Lord, he will have wealth. And if the Christian delights in the law of the world, he will be wonderfully uh, healthy. Uh, No, this is about your eternal destination. Today is the day of salvation. All the material things of this world 
are so temporary and fleeting and will perish as you perish. The truly happy person guides his life by God's instruction rather than the advice of those who reject God's instruction. I want to share the words um, of William Plumer. It's one of the commentaries um, that I was looking at the end of my preparation. Uh, And I'm just going to read the words that Plumer says uh, on the book of Psalms and and particularly in, in, in Psalm 1. He says, In all our study of God's word, we must have faith. This grace of the Spirit is of the greatest importance. Without it, we always go astray, live in darkness, and are made miserable by the stings inflicted by our own minds. Nothing greater can be said of faith than that it is the only thing which can bid defiance to the accusations of the conscience. This it does by beholding the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Christ Jesus is the only hope of perishing sinners. And that's something that should give each one of us hope. We have a hope. It's not just about um, a negative um, aspect of, of the psalm and that it's don't do this and don't do that. We have a hope. Um, you might be walking, you might be sitting, you might be uh, standing with the sinners, but we have a hope here. We, we ought to be reminded of this hope. To the believer, we have a God that loves us and are reminded of that when we look to the cross. Whether you find yourself walking in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, or sitting in the seat of scoffers, there is still hope for you to turn away from the counsel of this world, turn back to the Lord and delight in him once more. Just remember the first catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The emphasis is on that word enjoy. We have to enjoy him forever. Much like the delight in his word, there is enjoyment in glorifying God. To those that are maybe not yet Christians, uh, God also loves you. We need to remember that the pleasures and temptations of this world are ever so temporary. True blessing is found in Christ and in him alone. And what do you have to do? To access that, you have to repent and ask for forgiveness. You need to repent of your sins and ask that the Lord would indeed forgive them. You ask him to enter into your life today. And I want to take those that are not yet Christians to the, to the last verse of Psalm 1. The Psalm which we read, last verse in Psalm 6. Uh, in verse 6, sorry, it says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Where can you find out more about this Saviour and grow in your knowledge of him? In his word. We need to be delighting in his word. So I encourage you, friends, to be diligent in the reading of God's word. Pray into your reading of God's word and ask that he would reveal himself to you. And if you've not yet done so, ask him to enter into your life to save you from a lost eternity. We should be delighting in God's word. And for those that do not, for those that are currently seeking counsel from the, from the world and from the ungodly, we have a hope, and that hope is in the cross. We look to the cross and we see a saviour. We see him who died for us, for each and every one of us. Him who knew no sin, who became sin for us. Remember that and I pray, friends, that you will indeed turn to him, that you will ask him to enter into your life uh, and that you will indeed be able to see the blessing. As we saw in Psalm 1 there, uh, that man hath perfect blessedness who walketh not astray. And we pray that we would delight in God's word again each and every day and remember to say no to sin and yes to God. We'll conclude in a, in a short word of prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for this word, Lord. We thank you for this psalm that, that speaks to us. And although uh, we see what we ought not to do, the blessed man ought not to do, Lord, we are reminded of the hope 
um, the hope of the sending of your only son, Lord. We, we are so thankful for you sending him who died for each and every one of us. His blood that was shed for us, for all of our sins. Uh, everyone listening to this this evening has sins that were forgiven at the cross. Should they seek that forgiveness and ask for it, Lord? And we, we ask that we would continually be reminded of that. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that our delight is indeed in the law of the Lord, Lord. And we pray that as we open your word, as we turn to your word each and every day, that you would illuminate it to us, um, that we would take delight in it, that we would have the confidence and the courage and the, the opportunities even and the boldness to say no to sin, to reprove and to restore our brothers uh, as well, Lord. And when we see others that are progressing in their sin, that we would have the, um, the confident love that you share to be able to bring them back and to bring them back to you, to say no to the world and yes to God, Lord. So be with us just now as we conclude uh, in singing your praises, Lord, and all that we ask is in the name of Christ our Saviour. Amen. And we'll conclude with the final two verses uh, of the book of Jude. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. <laughs>